Here's up in depth, everybody. What's going on? Jeremy and Jason are here to talk about Disney news. What's happening in the Disney world of news and fandom and Disney parks and all that kind of fun stuff. Jeremy, I feel like I haven't seen you in months. And I don't know if it's just because I, I haven't seen you in weeks or uh, that's just what the pandemic is doing to me or both. But uh, it's good to see you, my friend. Nice to be back. Yeah, it is nice to be back. I yeah. like doing the show with you. Shit. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like that. Last night, we had the great Tom Amin back on the uh, the main show, Years Up main oh, show. Oh, how did it go? It went really, really cool. I, yeah. Nice guy talking about his new album, his meditative album. Have you heard any of it? I haven't heard it yet. It's really good, man. It's very good. It's like very soft and quiet and meditative. You study music kind of thing. But, uh, right. yeah, it was neat. It was any neat. favorite tracks from it? Well, for he you? he played um he played oh, I, uh, he sent me two tracks. One is It's a Small World and the other is Baby Mine. I can play a little bit if you mm. want. You can play Small World. I don't really like Baby Mine, so don't play that. I hate it. Here's a Small World arrangement. And everybody in the chat's like I just heard this. get it oh there it is yeah anyway i like it very nice yeah i think it's very, very cool relaxing and, yes exactly and it sort of picks up a little bit and changes and uh, he sure. did a lot of cool stuff with it so i like it did he play his piano for you on the show no and i i need i talked to him the first time when he was first on i was like i want to get you to play to play on the on the air if you can and he tried supposedly i mean he might just be a liar i don't know um and he said that he wasn't able to figure out how to do that but maybe now maybe he he can now that he understands sort of you know the the functionality of how we do the shows so maybe maybe we can get him on for for something i don't know i don't know what i mean you know, hey, play some music, and we guess. Well, it. maybe for like some, you know, some sort of anniversary show, he could do like a, some requests or some sort of. We do have our hour. We do have our two hundredth show, years up show coming up, in I think maybe early next year. That might be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what's going on with you, Jer? I know you go to the uh, the old Disney World a lot, and you guys, before the show started, everyone in the chat, you were chatting with about uh, updates that's going on in the park, but how's the vibe of the park going on? I was asking Terrence this last night, because he just came back from Disneyland, and he said it was great. He had a great time. There was, like, nobody there. Is that still uh, the vibe at Disney World, or no? By Judging by your face, I can, I can assume no. Disney World is wall-to-wall people. There's no, like, we watched the fireworks the other night, and, like, we were in the hub, and it's, like, you're just, you're shoulder to shoulder. It's like nothing Actually, ever happened. I kind of loved it, though. The lady next to me, she had a fan, and she's fanning herself, oh. and I was like, it was really cooling <laughs> me down, because it's real hot here. Um, Gross. Crowds are, crowds are back. I mean, we're at 100%. They even have a new announcement. They warn you. When you're leaving, mm-hmm. there will be delays on the monorail, on the ferry, and on the buses. For so they actually say, like, please stay a little bit. Because like, the, the fireworks go off at 9.15. The park closes at 10. Okay. So 
you know, 935, 945 are done. So they're basically saying, you have another 20 minutes. Stay in the park a bit longer because right now is going to be a mad rush. Oh, I get it. I get it. Instead of everyone leaving right at, at fireworks, go ride a ride. Go buy some stuff. Go buy right. a Slurpee or whatever they call Dole Whip. Exactly. Yeah. So we went on the uh, the haunted mansion after the fireworks. It was kind of nice, and then we kind of walked around because they like they don't cl- like it closes at ten, but they don't kick you out right away. Like you could stay there till eleven, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go on any more attractions after ten, but they don't like ask you to leave. Like you can just lurk, <laughs> just grab a, a a broom and start helping. I'm helping, guys. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm helping out here. So it's nice. <laughs> um, Epcot wasn't so bad in in terms of crowd last night. Food and wine festival started last week. Um, that's going to run through till Thanksgiving time, I think. Um, but fireworks are back. That's the big thing that changes everything for me because now living here, it's like, well, instead of going early in the day and then leaving at six or seven, now I'm like, I'm not going until six or seven. I'll ride one ride, watch the fireworks and then come home. Right. I'll go every day. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I I can watch fireworks every single night. (laughs) Does that get old? Would that get old for you? Nope. Really? It doesn't get old. You're that big of a fireworks boy. I just love that show. I love those shows. Well, not Epcot Forever, but I love that show. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I have an update for you. The uh, the person who runs the Grease in Epcot Instagram handle <laughs> is going to be on our show on the oh. 5th of August. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I'm very, very excited about it. If you guys don't know about a Greece and Disney on Instagram, all this person's trying to do is get a Greek pavilion in Epcot. And, yeah, and I want it to happen so bad. And I just, I love this account because it's like angry and aggressive, but also just filled with hope and kindness at the same time. And like a genuine question of why isn't this here already? <laughs> and it's very, very cool. I love it. So uh, they will draw on the most obscure thing and be like, see, it makes sense that there's, sh-. and it's like, how do you, how did you get that? That should be like, like someone is related to the Olympics and that's <laughs> happening now. So clearly there should be a pavilion. And I'm like, what I look man. I, like, God bless. I love it. But I almost, so um, I was at Epcot last night and there's a Greece food and wine booth. Oh, and what were they, what were they I wanted to take a picture of it and send it to that account and be like, can you just give it a break for like a week? <laughs> You've achieved it. Greece is like, officially just, in- <laughs> like you just just take a minute and enjoy this. But I didn't. No. Yeah, they're fun. They're nice. I follow that account. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you got bullied into it the same way I did. <laughs> yeah. But I'm excited. Uh, the person's name is Lee. And uh, I'm I'm very excited to chat one Greek to another. I'm assuming this person is Greek. If they're not, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to feel like I was catfished or something like that. Well, I mean, they're, I'm sure they are. But even if they're not, that's okay. Yeah. Someone could have a real affinity for the Greek culture and think it deserves representation. Sure. They're an ally. They okay, are an ally, that. but as from one Greek person to, you know, you think you're bonding with another Greek person, it turns out they're Italian or worse, French. No, 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 that doesn't happen. I'm kidding. I don't know what I'm saying. Is there that much difference between Greeks and Italians? It's like a, li- yes. it's like a little further away. How dare you? How like dare you? Little, it's one time zone. No, like, how dare calm you? Down. How dare you? The Italians have <laughs> stolen everything from the Greek culture. How dare you? Even their stupid columns. Oh, let's add yeah, a little more well, flair the on the top. took it. They were like, nice try, but here's how we're going to take it. We're going to really do it. You know what it is? Stop it. Italy is to Greece 
what Disney World is to Disneyland. It's like you tried it, you had some good <laughs> ideas, but we're going to really do it big now. Yeah, okay? on, only if uh, di- only if Disney World took over Disneyland and controlled it for 400 years. Well, and stolen its culture. Talk sort of about that. <laughs> well, let's get into it, man. Instead of you Greek bashing, <laughs> you know, all my Greek listener. I really just like. <laughs> I just really like uh, getting your goat. Yeah, I know and, you. Do. I know you do. And, and then I feel like you don't. I don't know. And then I feel like you don't know that I'm joking or with you or whatever. And then you're like, whatever. I'm like trying to get yours too. <laughs> Okay, well, let's save it for our couple's therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mr. P uh, is in the chat, and he says, and I don't know if you know this, Jeremy, um, but we're talking about doing like a local meetup in like a month or something. I don't know, mainly till I get rid of the the Mai Tai glasses, but also just because everyone's bullying me into it. And he wants to know if you would come out for that. And I don't know when it's going to be or where it's going to (laughs) be. No, probably maybe late August. I don't know. No, I'm not coming out there for that. Right. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Wow. Rude. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I don't want to travel the West Coast right now, but yeah. it's, it's just, it's not, not right now. Okay. That's fine. Hey man, fair enough. So I'm going to be back out there soon, but uh, uh, that's a little too close. All right. Well, look, uh, off air, I want you to, I want you to go through the, your list of reasons why you won't come out here. <laughs> Don't feel like it. Don't feel like it. Don't feel like it. <laughs> it's a haul, man. That's like six hours. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. And you yeah. fly. Are the- you gonna? Can I expense the trip? You you can expense it all you want. I don't know who you're gonna send the bill to. You. <laughs> what do you think? You can write it off on your taxes as part of your like hobby. You can write all this stuff I off. I don't even know what a write off is. Yeah, you can write off. Do get a tax person. Write all. Anyway, let's start the show. Let's do it. You want to do let's- that? Speaking of moving from coast to coast, yes, you've actually mentioned here on this show. Uh oh, what? What? I don't know. You I'm, look surprised. I, I feel nervous. What have I mentioned? I feel what like is? you're going to call me out. I'm, I'm always ready to call you out. <laughs> uh, I document everything you say. Damn. Um, you have mentioned on the show that you know you kind of would like to leave California, but you don't yeah. know what better alternative. But Correct. you're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, um, I I would be okay with it. It's mainly the drought. And the fire season are the old two main reasons I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I don't mind everything else. But, yeah, the drought and the fire season just getting worse. Well, several Disney employees, including Imagineers, roughly 2,000 people, in fact, were told this week their positions would be relocated to Central Florida near the Walt Disney World Resort. More specifically, the company's new campus in Lake Nona, Florida. Wow. So, uh, Disney employees... Leaving Glendale and moving over to the west, uh, the East Coast, Disney's Josh DeMauro, chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products, described those employees targeted for the relocation as Disney Parks Experience and Products professional roles currently based in Southern California that are not fully dedicated to the Disneyland Resort or in some cases, the international parks business. So if your scope of work goes beyond just doing things for Disneyland, pack your bags you're going to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Disney did not release an exact date by which all employees would be relocated, but did specify a roughly 18-month time frame for the move to allow for flexibility to accommodate individual uh, situations. Um, this move of 
these parks employees and a significant number of Imagineers has been in the work since 2019 when work began on Disney's new Lake Nona campus while Disney CEO Bob Chapek was still heading up the parks division himself. He has since re- been replaced by former Walt Disney World president Josh Tomorrow. As part of Disney's relocation package, Disney will pay for all relocation expenses. The move represents 2,000 jobs. That figure accounts for only about 5% of the Disney employees located in California. So as a percentage, it's not that big, but 2,000 seems like a lot of people. Yeah. The revelation of that is 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 twofold, right? Like, number one, 2,000, that's a ton of folks that just go, well, we're going to need you to move. And then the other side is, like you said, they are they have like 95% more workforce out here that's a that's you know that's pretty telling yeah nevertheless disney still stands to save about a half a billion dollars in tax breaks by moving their employees to the low tax state of florida wow uh, where those employees will also enjoy the decrease in taxes boosting their net income the state of california charges residents up to 13.3% of their income in taxes uh, whereas the rate in Florida is a comparatively low zero. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the average salary of the jobs being relocated is approximately 120000 a year. That Oof. means a Glendale, California resident filing as a single earner would save just shy of $8,000 a year in income taxes simply by moving across the, uh, the country. Wow. But more than that, the median, median single-family home price in Florida the end of the first quarter of this year was $317,000 in California, according to the New York Times. At uh, the same time this year, the median single-family home price was $814,000, or 256% more than the going rate in Florida. Yeah. So if you have a house, you, in, if it's paid off, in theory, could move to Florida and buy two and a half houses and save yourself $8,000 in taxes. Oh, for sure. Anywhere in the South, like I've looked at Tennessee and North Carolina, just like poking around, right? Even, even Colorado, uh, Montana, basically any other state except the West coast Um, and parts of Washington, really, you can, you can get like land. Like I want space between my neighbors and me, (laughs) like a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure your neighbors are in agreement. Uh, Walt Disney—they love Imagineer- me. How dare you? <laughs> what you say? I said they love me. How dare you? <laughs> I think you know what we agree. A little more space wouldn't go uh, unwelcomed. <laughs> yeah. Walt Disney Imagineering has called 1401 Flower Street in Glendale home since 1965. Uh, so it's no surprise that Disney fans who have nothing to do with this, were upset by the news of their Imagineers being forced to relocate. James B. on Twitter said, For me, it's not a Disney thing. To bring people back from furlough and then weeks later say, move your life across the country or goodbye is shite, no matter what company is doing it. Okay. Might it Might it be better to have Imagineering in Florida? Possibly, but that doesn't make it okay. Well, so James B is not happy. First of all, it's not all of Imagineering, right? It's some of Imagineering. Well, I think that the so this is this is my perception. And you remember when Kyle's come on the show, he talks about how there's Imagineering, like the big Imagineering people who are like in charge of everything. But then each individual resort has like Imagineers that do their own thing. I think this means Imagineering as a, an organization is moving to Florida 
but we'll leave some of the Imagineers that are just dedicated to Disneyland out there. Hmm. Okay. That's how I read this. Interesting. Okay, because I've, I've poked around a little bit. I've heard about this, and I didn't read it the same. I read it was like a specific division, but I feel like either way, it sort of speaks of maybe big news happening in Florida. Why else? I mean, the tax breaks, sure, but they've been operating in California since 1955. At some point, it doesn't really matter anymore, right? But I mean, half a billion dollars doesn't matter. Um, but moving them to Florida, you know, only 2,000 people. If it was really for the money, I feel like they would move more or move everything they could or most of the things they could. But maybe it's maybe it's Florida-specific or, or, you know, maybe there's like new expansion coming on and they want people in-house to be working. Maybe there's a new gate or new land or a new thing. That's, that's what I like the subtext I read on that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. They opened Animal <laughs> Kingdom without moving Imagineering here. Yeah. Well, look. Chapek doesn't know what he's doing, apparently. So apparently, <laughs> that's exciting, um, though. I mean, that's cool. And you know what? I would love it if they paid them California wages. That's the big thing about moving out of California. Like, oh, we're going to save money. That's cool, but your your paycheck will probably go down as a result. You know what I mean? The the, re- the reduced pay rate. So what I read this, I did not read this anywhere officially, but I read someone on Twitter was referencing something that said they're actually getting a seven percent increase. Yeah, but it will be. Will it be the same California rate? Because a lot of employers like to do that. Like, well, California, you know, you pay, you get paid more. But if you move out of state, you're not going to get paid as much, which I think is, you know, crappy. No, I think what it is. Well, again, this is how I read it. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent. You're not certain. an imagineer, so what do you know? What I, yeah. <laughs> what I read it as was is if it's one hundred twenty thousand dollars, it's one hundred twenty thousand dollars plus seven percent to move. Wow, I would one hundred percent think about that. <laughs> You'd think about that? I would think about it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Disney employees moving. Now, again, that's how I read it. I don't know that that's true, but that's just what I saw. So take yeah, it with a grain it. of salt, people. A grain of The Jeremy. Disney employees moving will join approximately 60,000 other Disney employees located in and around Walt Disney World Resort in Central Florida. Lake Nona is a master-planned community to the southeast of Orlando near the Orlando International Airport. Disney is the latest in number of corporations shifting their workforces. Lake Nona already hosts offices for corporations including Cisco, General Electric, Johnson & Johnson, KPMG, Hitachi, Siemens, as well as parts of the University of Central Florida, the U.S. Tennis Association, Verizon, and more. I say, I don't feel bad for them. Get them over here. Move them. They keep ruining our parks. They keep ruining Epcot. You know what? You want to design big, ugly barges and drop them into Epcot? Move here and look at them all day like the rest of us have to. That's right. This is a clockwork orange scene. Pry your eyes wide open and watch that thing operate all watch day. It. I got to look at it every day. Yeah. So it's not now it's not at a distance. Now you got to have it in your backyard too. Bring them over here. <laughs> I'll have, let me have, let, you know what? I want that running. Yeah. That's exciting. I mean, that's exciting stuff for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know what. I, would you do it if that if the offer was to move to the West Coast? Would you do that same thing? If my company told me to move, yeah. I'd move. I, I would want move my job. Too. Yeah, I know exactly. Especially like an Imagineer at Disneyland or Disney Walt Disney Company, right? I would one hundred percent think about it because I don't know if I could live in Florida. I think I could. 
My I job is also in New York City. I would move wherever they gave me that was an alternative to high crime, high taxes, <laughs> smog, traffic. Like, what am I staying here for? Yeah, well, that you've There's basically like a described- slasher pandemic on the subways. Like, oh, oh, you know, I don't have to dodge knives every day. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, you basically described Burbank pretty <laughs> traffic oh, okay. and smog. <laughs> And that's just what it is. Although there's a lot of nice places. I've been thinking, you know, Tara and I talk about all the time, like moving down to L.A. or whatever, if we ever had to, for whatever reason. And there's a lot of really cool parts of L.A., but they're few and far between, and they're peppered with just the dog poopy parts of L.A. It's weird. L.A. is weird. I don't think I could live there, but I would enjoy trying. I'd be constantly worried about an earthquake. You're not worried about that where you are? No. We had one the other day. I finally felt one. It was cool. Oh. Yeah, but like the big was your earthquake. first earthquake you've ever felt living no, in California? For- no, no, no. But the first one in Oakley, the first one since we've moved out here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I When I'm in California, I'm thinking about earthquakes the entire... Like, it's always, it's always churning in the back of my head. Yeah. And when my plane takes off on the runway, I'm like, oh, my God, I touched another one. I'm out of here. <laughs> dodged I'm another so, one I'm terrified i mean they look they happen all the time but they're so low you don't even feel it but yeah that big yeah. one is like it's it's gonna come it's gonna happen baby and hopefully yeah. you're here to experience it with me we no can, we can hold that's each why other. i'm not coming out there at the end of august i feel like it's 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 due we <laughs> we can hold each other <laughs> on the cliff as it crumbles away slowly and we drop into the abyss just clutched like this. Yeah. And Taryn will be like, why are you holding me? And I'm like, because I love Jeremy. <laughs> uh, well, Jeremy, look, uh, I normally have a policy on not reporting rumors, but this one has already been in the mainstream, a business insider to be specific. So I have a little bit more faith in this one, in these references, in these rumor sources than say, I don't know, literally any other Disney news site out there. The rumor is that Bob Chapek is more than a bit displeased with the fact that Bob Iger has yet to leave the company. Now, this is from a source that is described as, quote, a non-Disney studio senior executive who is familiar with Chapek's thinking, end quote. Whatever that means. How familiar are you with another man's thinking? I would never say uh, I'm familiar with Jeremy's thinking. And uh, so I can really speak for him on this, but don't say my name because I don't want him to know that I'm in his head. Right. It's a weird well, you, I would know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who cares about what you think. Right. Um, and it's hearsay, so it should be taken with a grain of salt. However, this is not that hard to believe that Chapek is a little pissy that Iger's still around. Quote, it's just common knowledge. They don't get along, the source said. Uh, it's awkward with Bob Iger around, and it's a long goodbye, and Chapek is sitting there saying, I just want to run the company. End quote. That's the quote from the source. In fact, this source also said that many in Hollywood believe the two men were no longer as friendly as they had been, and that Chapek was eager to get on with running Disney on his own terms, and that Iger had been stalling his exit for far too long. Mm. I mean, I sort of agree with all of that, to be honest. Chape, in case you forget, Chapek succeeded Iger in February 2020 to become the company's seventh chief executive, but his experience is limited to the parks and consumer product. As Chapek stepped up to take control, Iger became executive chairman and kept responsibilities for the entertainment unit of the company, probably to give Wall Street confidence in Disney's movie and TV making. After his handling of the last three Star Wars movies, however, I bet he thinks he's really hot stuff. 
Um, well, we've talked about that. He was very ham-handed with that and very on, you know, on set and, and really involved in the writing, which is why already people are talking about, I think did I think Star Wars, they're going to reboot the, the last trilogy. They're just like evaporating some of the storylines that they designed. And that's the problem. Iger was really involved in the movie side and the entertainment side, but I think what he did is kind of stunk. So now they're going to redo them again already? That's what I've heard. There's like rumblings on the internet, like stories are coming out where it's like, yeah, they're talking about it. They're talking about bringing Lucas back in and what they're doing with all these like other shows that they're they're doing, like the Bad Batch and all this kind of stuff, like the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV uh, series, is that they, they can sort of retcon and like rewrite um, the history uh, that they sort of messed up with some of the other shows or some of the other movies. I've heard they've already altered the timelines from like the original prequels that Lucas did because there's plot holes and weirdness and whatever. So I, I, I think that's happening with, with the, the latest Star Wars movies. Hey, well, I have so, a question on that. Yeah. If Lucas did the prequels that sucked, why are they bringing him back? Exactly. I don't know because I think also they don't know who else to turn to. So I think there's two things. One, Again, they don't know who else to turn to, who else knows the lore and the, the culture of Star Wars and, and how to really pace the story the way that Star Wars fans want. But also, the the prequels have sort of been seeing like a renaissance where I think people now like finally get it. Where they're watching the show, they're watching it uh, you know, in their 20s and 30s, and then now in their 40s and 50s, they're going, oh, okay, it's, uh, I, it's a little more palatable because we've had time to chew on it. And my big thing was you can't take the, the, the three most classic science fiction movies of all time, of all time, and then do a prequel differently and differently paced and make it political. Star Wars was never political. The prequels are political, and it just kind of rubbed people the wrong way. But I think, yeah, I think they're messing with it now. How about this? Why don't we just give it a rest? <laughs> you, we've tried. They've tried so many. Like, okay, yes. so we had three good movies and yeah. six bad ones. Yes, guys, you can't do it. No, you, just let it go. No. We had a great movie. Enjoy it. Rewatch it. Yeah, and I think it's don't like ask ca- me. Look at look at me asking for twenty more Titanics. Just watch <laughs> it again. It's fine. Over and over again. Yeah, I think Kathleen Kennedy is sort of like ruining Star Wars. She's the, the Lucasfilm head, I guess, or something like that. I don't really know. Okay. I just I know her name. But people are very upset with the way she's handled the story uh, and the universe. And Star Wars nerds are very passionate. And it's it's weird when Disney bought Lucasfilm, LucasArts, Star Wars. Um, you're just, you're, you're basically, you know, mixing two fan cultures that are inherently very possessive of the, of the fandom that they're in. So it's just sort of like pouring gasoline on the fire, I think, of like, Disney fans criticize Disney for literally every movie they make. Then you invite Star Wars fans into the door to do the same thing. And it's, I think it got very volatile. And I think that Disney wasn't ready for that pushback. Yeah. That's my, I think they got it. Just just like, you know what? Let's just leave it alone. Let the Star Wars nerds move on to something else. That's the other thing. They keep coming. They're still Star Wars nerds because they keep coming back waiting for the next one. If you say it's over guys, they'll be like, all right, we're going to move on to something else. We're not still making jaws. (laughs) <laughs> no, but we'd made a fair amount of them. Uh, well, and so two things to that. One, I think Iger came out several years ago and said, we've been pushing too hard on Star Wars. We're going to take a break. So there hasn't really been any new Star Wars for a while. And even that Obi-Wan Kenobi series got put on hold because of that. So they are kind of taking a breath. But on the other hand, they're doing the same thing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's just, you know, we're just, if it's not one thing, it's another. So who knows? But yeah. 
Um, the New York Times reported in April 2020 that Iger was stepping back in a controlling role because of how much the pandemic had ravaged Disney's business. Quote, when Bob Iger inserted himself back into the company, it was a huge slap in the face to Chapek. The concern was that Chapek couldn't handle it, the senior studio executive said, this unnamed executive. But this mystery executive is not the only person that we heard from in this Business Insider article. A different cinema industry executive familiar with the thinking at Disney said Iger was frustrated at Chapek's strategy for releasing the latest Marvel movie, Black Widow and that the execution of said release might have harmed the company's relationships in China. Oh, yes. They're so protective of that. <laughs> they are. I mean, it's like one of their biggest markets. And so I, I get it. But on the other hand, like, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> um, Disney's choice of July 9 to release the latest Marvel movie internationally bumped into China's month-long celebrations of the Chinese Communist Party's 100th anniversary. <laughs> You can't make this up. No, you can't. The cinema industry executive noted that China has yet to even give a release date for Black Widow. It sounds like Chapek's timing was pretty off on that one, but I also feel that you can't pin everything on him. I bet he has a team of people underneath him that are supposed to direct him and say, hey, let's do this a different way. Generally, we don't release movies in, uh, you know, in July for China's month-long celebrations of communism and whatever, so let's, let's rethink this. But... I mean, I wonder if Chapek was like, now nah, you know what? Forget about it. We're going to release it because we're not just going to do whatever China wants us to do. Like, it doesn't, they'll figure it out. We'll get that money anyways. They're going to see the movie anyways. I'm sorry. Historically, July is the blockbuster movie month. That's when you release all your tent poles. Like, that's what it is. Jurassic Park comes out in July. That's when mm. we do it. Mm. So this year, all of a sudden, we have to have no movies in July because China's 100. Stop. <laughs> Well, I right, and that is sort of like the subtext of that, where he should have seen that coming. But it's not his fault that China wants to have a month long celebration, and it's sort of like putting Black Widow on the back burner. To it just, it's a weird. He's being the scapegoat for some stuff, and that's weird. And I think that's uh, that's very odd. Uh, Marvel apparently was also displeased with the decision to simultaneously release Black Widow in theaters and on streaming at basically the same time. This was uh, according to two sources close to the company. One said that the view at Marvel was that the premium video on demand decision caused piracy issues and hurt the box office performance. The debut of Black Widow was viewed as successful overall, booking $80 million in North America, North American theaters its opening weekend and a further $60 million in streaming revenue. However, the uh, box office dropped 67% its second week, which is a huge crater. The mistake is churning the Hollywood waters with many people wondering if Chapek is even right for the top dog role. Quote, no Marvel movie has ever seen such a decline in the second week of a theatrical run or even in the Saturday and Sunday of opening weekend, said Jessica Ehrlich, a senior media and entertainment analyst of, at uh, Bank of America Securities. It's an embarrassment, she says. It seems like a mistake. Those decisions go right to the top, but it's still early and we're in very unusual times. So listen to this. It's an embarrassment. However, here's the excuse. Like, pick pick a side. Pick a lane and stick in it. Is it an embarrassment or, it's, or is it still too early to tell and we're in unusual times and we should take that into account as well? Um, I don't like this because these people are making me defend Bob Chapek. Like, that's the last <laughs> thing I want to do. Right. But you know what? I'm sorry. 
I made mistakes when I first started my job. Yeah. And like, I'm glad I got another chance. And now I'm actually pretty successful. So like, you know what? Let's, how about you give people a little bit of a minute? Give a little bit of a minute. It's also one movie. And also maybe it dropped off because it stinks. <laughs> I've, I Does it stink? I actually haven't I, seen it. I haven't heard it yet. I got it. I got it queued up to watch. However, I have heard it stinks. Well, isn't that usually when there's a big drop off? It's because word of mouth is so bad and they usually don't. That's when you see those drop offs is because yes. they're not well reviewed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and again, I mean, you know, Jessica is correct. We are in un- unusual times and it's hard to say definitively after two weeks what the drop off was. But so she says no Marvel movie has ever seen such a decline, right? What she's forgetting is that Ant-Man and the Wasp dipped 62% in its second weekend numbers after release. And that was back in 2018, way pre-pandemic. No excuse on that one, Jess. So where are you with this? Dipped 62%. So this is a 5% less dip than this one. I feel like 5% is a rounding error with stuff like this. It's not that big of a deal. I feel like she's being a little bit of a negative Nancy or a jealous Jessica. I don't know. If it's one thing I don't like, it's a negative Nancy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this dip is not all that shocking. It's not an embarrassment, especially considering the pandemic that's growing. And maybe you had all the people who wanted to go to the theaters already seeing it. I mean, I'm not going to go to the theaters. I don't go to theaters anyways. I'm not really a theater boy. I would just rather come out where I can watch it at my house, right? But you already have, like, I think you have a small population going to the theaters, they saw it, and then they're done with it. Maybe that could be it, too. There's a lot of factors going on. I mean, the numbers, yeah, the numbers that I've seen are that Disney took in an extra $60 million worldwide off of people paying $30 to watch it on Disney+. And that's just one data set off of one smart TV data gathering service. So that's not accounting people watching it on mobile. That's not counting people watching it uh, on Disney+. Plus, maybe it's on Disney. I, I don't know. I, I forget the, the thing, but it's 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 not the entire subset of streaming people. So it could be they could have taken in more than 60 million from people streaming at home. When did it come out? It came out in July. Two weeks ago. Yeah. OK, well, this is another variable that I don't think people are thinking about is like as we've moved through July. COVID numbers are going up again. So yeah. you may people may have wanted to see it the first weekend, but if they were like waiting until the second weekend and they see the numbers going back up and the Delta variant going crazy, it's like, well, maybe right. I don't want to go see that in the theater this yeah. weekend. You know, like mm, that's a, that's working in the exact opposite direction. Right. You know? So. Yeah. There's there there's a lot going on. Um, so, you know, it's not nothing. I mean, 60 mil off of, again, this one data set is not nothing. That's pretty good. So 60 mil combined with the 80 mil and the 24 mil. They, they do pretty good. And you also have to realize that when, when, when people say like Disney box office flops, right? Like John Carter of Mars tanked, quote unquote, at the box office. But they made their money back on rentals and Blu-rays and stuff like that. So they, and they actually came out ahead on that movie. They did, so like for them, may, being a flop is not making as much as they think that they should. And, you know, that's just, you know. It, whatever it capitalism at its finest. But one right. rumor going around Disney is that Chapek plans to stop putting executives on multi-year employment contracts in order to get greater, greater flexibility to hire and fire people, which is a sign of how he may be seeking to put a bigger stamp on the company. The studio executive also predicted Chapek had planned some restructuring at the company this fall. And I wonder if that maybe falls in line with those 2000 people shifting over to Florida right. I wonder if 
we're going to see some, you know, some people, and we're not going to see anything because it's internal, but uh, maybe some internal people shifting around and maybe bringing more people into California. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Uh, some of Iger's closest, uh, closest people, closest confidant, the public relations uh, person, Zinnia Mucha, and the general counsel, Alan Braverman, are hitting the exits, which will give Chapek more freedom to alter Disney's power structure. So you do have a, a few people at the top, 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 leaving the company along with Iger. So Chapek can actually rebuild a little bit and uh, make it into his own image. Disney's working to replace Mucha and using the opportunity to overhaul its corporate communications strategy. So a lot of stuff going on in Disney's upper echelons. A lot of rumors happening. Uh, and we don't really know what's going on. We don't really know what Chapek thinks. But I don't think that it's too much of a stretch to assume that he's a little pissy. I would be a little upset. I, you know what I mean? Like, if I was going to take over for you, Jeremy, if I was going to take over SpectralRadio.us. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, here I am. We had a big announcement. I was overweight in my suit and shaved my head and whatever and had my wine cellar and I was just ready to go. And then you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still stick on for, for live programming. I'd be like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, sure. And I'm not going to leave for a year and a half. Like, no, I want you to go away right now. <laughs> right. No, you you got to let your people. He's got to ha- spread his wings and soar. Yeah. Speaking of but, soaring. Um, speaking of soaring, Jeremy. Moon Boots IPA is the latest 21st Amendment beer release. A West Coast IPA brewed with strawberries and loaded with Azaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic Hops. Moon Boots IPA was designed and brewed by an all-woman team at 21st Amendment Brewery and in partnership with the Pink Boots Society, advocating for the advancement of women in the beverage industry. The label for Moon Boots IPA features the beer's creators envisioned as otherworldly beings and was commissioned by renowned Los Angeles-based animation artist Robin Eisenberg. Moon Boots IPA is a very limited release and available across the country at your favorite good beer shop, where 21st Amendment beer is sold. Yeah, all right. Can I tell you something? Yes. And this is not like, you know, like a, a rehearsed plug or whatever, but I had a hell or high watermelon recently. I saw that. Yeah. I was out and they had it on tap where I was watching the where I was watching Italy play England. Oh, fact, yeah. Good game. A bar down the street from my house and the, uh, my friend ordered it. She goes, oh, I have the hell or high watermelon. I was like, say what? They have that here. <laughs> was it good? Did you like it? It was good. It was exactly as described. <laughs> like Hell I knew yeah. how it tasted. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the wording. This is the ad." So, nice job. Have you ever seen Phil Harmagic? No. Who is Phil? Is he? He sounds like a nice guy, though. See, this goes right back to the discussion where you said, like, when I talk about Disney World, it's like I'm talking. Yeah. You don't know. No, I don't know, man. Well, the attraction. Uh, PhilharMagic originally debuted back in 2003 at the Magic Kingdom, but can now be found at all Disney resorts around the world except for Shanghai Disneyland. Uh, Mickey's PhilharMagic is a 3D movie where guests go to watch Mickey conduct his PhilharMagic orchestra, but trouble ensues when Mickey instructs Donald Duck not to put on his sorcerer hat. Of course, Donald can't resist. The temptation and the magic of the orchestra goes haywire, plunging Donald Duck into a calamitous adventure through several several classic Disney movies. Um, The attraction heavily features movies from what is widely known as the Disney Renaissance, including The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, and Aladdin. 
Um, but for the first time in the attraction's history, PhilharMagic is receiving a new scene. Wow. Are you excited? I feel like that's cool, yeah. It's very cool. And you know me. I I think I sometimes have a reputation for being a little averse to change. I celebrate this. Okay. What? Uh, you celebrate this... it with your imagination, wishes, and dreams come true? <laughs> All the colors of your wish? Remember the happiness... World of Phantasmic Color. Yeah. Uh, this new scene is going to feature Coco, which you also have not seen. I know. I have not. I have not seen it. But I want um, to. I hear it's good. It's beyond good. Oh, it's um, great? As Donald Duck careens through the various movies and ends up in the world of Miguel from Coco, this marks the first time that a Disney and Pixar character um, will have appeared together on the same screen. Wow. They brought in car- composer Jermaine Franco, who worked on much of the music from the movie, um, to produce a new score for the attraction segment, which will feature the beloved song from the movie Poco Loco. Um, fans of the original attraction, however, needn't worry. None of the original segments are being dropped in order to make room for Coco. They just made the show longer, which I am so happy about. Like, they just give us more. Like, it's like, I didn't even have to say goodbye to something. Normally, Disney usually takes away two things to yes. give us one. Right. So, I'm so happy. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's why it's exciting, because they're not changing it. And that's what, that, right. that's what pisses people off. Don't change something right. and replace it. Add on right. to it, especially if it's a couple of minutes. Right. It's a couple minutes. It probably yeah. isn't more than 60 seconds. Right. Just do it. Right. Um, the updated version of the show is already running at Disneyland Paris and Disney California Adventure. And the new version will be coming to the Magic Kingdom's PhilharMagic later this year for the resort's 50th anniversary celebration. So Coco coming to PhilharMagic, I think it's a great reason to celebrate. I think so, too. Celebrate your dream wishes. Yeah. <laughs> Color mix sometimes. <laughs> right. Uh, Jeremy, you may remember on the last show, we covered the Disney annual passport program and how for sure it's not ever coming back the way that we knew it. Right. DeMauro has yeah. hinted that it's going to change and we don't really know, but whatever. Uh, right. We've also talked a little bit about how the fast pass program has been ripped out by the route, never to see the light of day, possibly. Uh, well, recently, it seems that Disney has found a new way to separate your Google Pay wallet from your money and get you instant access to rides if you live in Europe. Uh, over in Disneyland Paris, they are experimenting with a new program called the Disney Premier Access Pass. And it is a whopper of a program. Now, guests will be able to purchase entry to Fast Pass queues per person per ride. Right. De- depending on which ride you're purchasing Premier Access for, that access could cost between 8 and 15 euro per ride, depending on how busy the park is that day. But this isn't new. I did this two years ago at Disneyland Paris. Really? Why? It's, it's been reported as brand new because they've, yeah. I don't understand. Well, maybe they've expanded it to more attractions, but the ride, um, Remy, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure or whatever it's mm-hmm. called, yeah. debuted in Paris. We're getting it here at Epcot in a couple months. I walked up to it and it was like a, an hour long wait. And they're like, well, you can pay 15 euro and go on now. And I was like, yes, hmm. let's do it. Let's go. Wow. Because I'm seeing tons of news stories about this specifically. Hi, Alice. <laughs> What's up, dude? 
In fact, I remember telling you about this. Wow. Okay. Well, I forgot but entirely. Maybe, it's changed, maybe they've tweaked it or rebranded it or expanded it because it wasn't for every attraction for sure. They, they, it's still not for every. However, they have definitely expanded it. So right now, uh, Disney Premier Access is available for Big Thunder Mountain, Peter Pan's Flight, Ratatouille the Adventure, Buzz Lightyear Laser Blast, Star Wars Hyperspace Mountain, Star Tours the Adventure Continues, The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, and Autopia. Uh, I want to interrupt. Elgo in the chat says th- uh, they remember me talking about this. Okay. All right. Well, look, man, it's all over like news. I mean, this is this is a news article from two weeks ago, but I felt it was pretty important. And uh, I agree. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, there you go. Uh, so it sounds like they've expanded it. Uh, quote, as part of our ongoing commitment to provide guests with a range of options to optimize trip planning, guests can choose to purchase Disney Premier Access on the Disneyland Paris app when it launches this summer, said a press release from Disneyland Paris. So that I guess that's the thing. Maybe they took it away and then they... Are you just, oh, sorry, I'm looking at Alice. <laughs> Alice, just come here. I didn't know if she could see me or not. Just come She's here so smiling, we can end this. I thought maybe she could. All right. Well, whatever. Look, you YouTubers are getting my daughter in her underwear. Um, so it sounds like, like is that allowed? Like I, I don't know. I, maybe we'll get flagged. <laughs> Who knows? Weird. Yeah. Um, so the press release from Disneyland Paris says this will launch on the Disney Disneyland Paris app this summer. So it sounds like it is new. Maybe they took it away. Maybe they were planning it when you were talking about it, and then they're bringing it back. So that's another thing. You couldn't do it through the app, but you had to go to a to the cash register in the in the oh. store in the gift shop next door to the attraction and buy it, and then you handed it in like a paper fast pass. So okay. it probably is like the electronic integration, all of that. That's probably what this all is. But okay, the yeah, that makes a lot theory of theory of it was happening. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I got it. Okay. Now I understand why it's just kind of everywhere now. Uh, quote: This optional digital service allows guests to enjoy the ability, enjoy your ability. Uh, to skip the regular <laughs> queue line for some of our most beloved attractions. Man, they really wear out that word beloved. They really just grind that into dust, man. It's everywhere. Uh, now, this all sounds an awful lot like the Max Pass, but it is not. I assure you, the Max Pass, if you remember, allowed you a certain number of fast passes at a time. Um, but this new French system sounds like the, the passes are as many as you can buy each day. You can only buy one for one ride, and then you use it, and you buy another. With prices uh, between nine and eighteen dollars uh, American per pass, you bet your churro shirt that bill will climb and climb if you aren't careful. For visitors who are only at Disneyland Paris for one day, admission can reach a hundred and forty dollars for a single day park hopper ticket. The added cost may be worth it to ride as many rides as possible, but now the system is time-gated to a a certain extent, meaning when you try and purchase a pass in advance, you have to select the time frame to arrive at that attraction. So in theory, this could limit you to only a handful of line skips, but I don't think that's going to happen. They want you to drop that coin, man. Disneyland Paris is still offering free standby passes, which will seemingly function like the old fast passes. They're free to use and can be activated during certain periods of the day, which is apparently subject to availability and dependent upon day-to-day needs of the parks. The difference is that the standby pass will only be available to use when wait times exceed certain levels for certain rides. There is no way to book them in advance if the pass is not currently being used for that experience. So, there's a lot of convoluted issues going on. There's a big tubular system happening here in the works in the background that we don't see. Uh, so you can get standby passes in Disneyland Paris, but if you want to pay, you're going to do it. And 
the other reason I think it's in the news is that a lot of people are speculating that this is what is going to be the replacement for the MaxPass system in Disneyland and maybe even Disney World. Yeah. What do you think about that, Jeremy? Do you think this is a, a since you've used the system, clearly, do you think it's a, a viable thing to bring over? Or is, in my opinion, I think it'll cause too much backlash. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed doing it. I only did it for one attraction. Um, you know, that I was like, I, you know, I want to see this. We're here for a limited amount of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I backlash. If you would think if there's going to be a country in the world where they'd be giving you backlash to charging you more for things, it would be France, right? Like this is literally the exact opposite of like French society. So, and it seems to be working. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but also a French annual pass, you can get there. Like you can get a, an annual pass to Disneyland Paris with maybe 15 blackout days. And it's the equivalent of about 400 us dollars still like you could still get it. E- yeah. There's not only are they selling it, but that's how cheap it is. It's $400 for like their second best pass. So take the money that you, you know, ours is what, I don't know, $900, $1,100. Like take the money that you save on that, put it towards some, uh, some fast pass. I don't know. I don't. Uh, so, how come you only did it for that one ride? Because Disneyland Paris doesn't get that crowded, so it was that one ride was really crowded because it was new. But all the rest of them, it's like a twenty-minute wait, so you just don't need to. I think that's maybe lends a little more credence to the fact that they're testing it in their least. But would you, would it be fair to say that Disneyland Paris is their least populated park, their least busy park of the ones I've been to? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if that how that compares to Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, I would guess yes too. Cause I've always heard issues with Disneyland Paris and not really a whole lot with Hong Kong. So I wonder if it's like, let's, let's put it in our least populated park and let's see what happens. Let's work the kinks out and then roll it out. I don't, Park I one. bet my, my theory is this does not come from Disney HQ. I think Disneyland Paris just did it. And then now they're looking at it and they're like, oh, is that, hey, that, hey, maybe that's a good idea. Like, I don't think they said, where should we test this? I don't think Disney's that strategic. Okay. The, I think that whole company is so reactionary. There's no forward thinking. <laughs> well, I, so I like literally they probably got, they were like, oh, look, look what Paris is doing. Hey, let's change <laughs> everything. I feel like there is forward thinking, but I also feel like they are very reactionary at the same time. And I feel like that's where they get sort of caught up I, from what little I know about. I mean, it's every major corporation, but specifically Disney, there's so much red tape. Like if they have to fix an automat- uh, an, an, an audio animatronic, replace a skin, do whatever. There's so much paperwork to get through. It could be six months when you have, until you, until you get that work order signed off for able to pull that figure and like reskin it. But in, you know, the fifties and sixties, just went ahead and did it. Who cares? Just do it. You have the autonomy, but now it's very, very different. So I could, I could definitely see that as like a reactionary, but also let's plan this and maybe it'll happen and maybe it won't. And then we can just go with the punches. I think it caught them by surprise and now they're figuring it out. They didn't, I mean, look at, look at frozen frozen came out and it was literally like, put it, where can we put it? Where (laughs) else can we put it guys? Quick. And then just like throw it on. Now we have like all these hat, like phoned in frozen attractions. And then some of them are gone now. It's like, 
it, they do it with everything. And yeah. I just feel like there's no long-term like thought process going on. <laughs> I mean, look at, look at Epcot. It sat stagnant for 20 years and now all of a sudden they're like, throw $8 billion at it. Just do it. <laughs> like that's not a strategy. That's just, uh, ah! well, I mean, obviously that was planned, right? Cause you're not throwing that much money at something without planning it. But I, the, I don't know. I would love to talk to people again. I would love to talk to people on the planning committee on these things. Cause it's like tastes change. So when you're when you're planning something five years ago, it sounds cool, but maybe no one cares anymore. Five years later, when you start to implement it, so it, everything just sort of like inherently seems outdated. And I think it's the challenge of planning stuff like that for a theme park for an entertainment thing. If you you, you can't do it now, your finger is off that pulse, baby. By the time it goes live, but have a plan of action. If a, if a certain type of movie comes out and is successful and we need to implement it, what are those things that we can do to do it? Mm-hmm. Like, don't just be like, throw it wherever you possibly can. Yeah. You should have a back, like a plan. Like, well, we've got a slot here for an attraction of this type that could work in this, in this park. We have this, you know, we have this type of, you know, parade coming out where we could do a, 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 a change in the flow. This nighttime spectacular could adjust this way, but like there's, they don't do it that like that, you know, you know like what? Have a, at least have a general plan. Yeah. And maybe they, and, do. Maybe they, and do they and might. Just, and it just never gets like, yeah, maybe the, the leadership is like, well, let's not, you know, they're just reading like the, you know, seven strategies for successful managers. And they're just listening to that. Like, well, let's just table this for now. We'll see what happens. Well, but Look at, they don't even have succession planning, Jason. I mean, Tom Staggs was in line to be the new CEO for, what, 10 years? They put mm-hmm. him in charge of projects. He was head of parks and resorts. And literally at the last minute, Iger had to stay because they were like, oh, we decided you're actually not the next. Like, you, they've been grooming this guy for years, and then it wasn't him. Then Josh Tomorrow is president of Disneyland for one year, president of Disney World for six months, and then president of all. Like, it's like that's <laughs> not how you to grow and develop people through positions. Like you shouldn't be like go coast to coast in charge of this, in charge of that, like within well, two years. I wonder if Stags like, um, uh, I don't I'm not, I'm not going to make this comparison, but I wonder if Stags like had some, maybe he pulled a Lassiter and they're like, let's cover it. Let's just, let's just look, let's let you go. We're going to give you a very nice stock compensation package, but this is, let's not do this. You know what I mean? We're not doing this right now. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, I'm just, why don't we know that? Because we yeah. know when that happens to people, we find out about it. Like we know that Lasseter was exited because of those things. Mm-hmm. That never was the story for Stags. No, 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 for sure. And 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 I'm definitely not insinuating that that is what for sure what's happening. I'm sort of making a joke, but also at the time that Stags left was not the current social climate that uh, under Lasseter. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more, I would say, transparent or a little bit more reportative or, or uh, you know, people are mo- way more vocal now than I think they were under Stags. But, I'm, I'm, it, again, it's, it's, a, it's a moot argument because we don't know for sure. And I'm, I'm just making it up. I, I apologize to Stags. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus or call him something. Yeah, let's not tarnish poor Tom Stags' <laughs> yeah. reputation but, I mean, I, uh, I just think because you right. think things are more reportative. Yeah, now. I think you're right. And uh, God, I, I was going to bring up a point that was really cool. I was going to smash it and I forget. So I think we should oh, just end the show. That would have been great. It would have been great. It would have been amazing <laughs> to smash it, man. I was hoping you'd smash it. <laughs> Come on. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I don't know, go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Coveyers and buy some 
shirts and uh, the leftover. Maybe we have a couple glasses left. I don't know. We're getting our Mai Tai glasses in to my house like next week, maybe the week after, and I'll start shipping those out. So uh, there is that. Go to spectroradio.us and listen to the best curated music uh, that Disney has ever put out and curated by my close personal and uh, handsome yet aging friend, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you.